What is up, consumies? This is Jamie Lewis, host of the Consumed Podcast, where eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers sit at my creaky kitchen table and talk about life and flavor with me. You're at the table too. Thanks for joining us. Before I introduce today's guest, here's a little bit about sponsors of the Consumed Podcast. We all know eating fruits and veggies is an important part of staying healthy. Fresh, local produce has the most flavor and nutrition, but how do you know what's in season locally? Become part of the Tally community as a member of the Tally Farms Box Program. Tally grows their produce and partners with other California farmers to include the freshest and best-tasting local produce you can find anywhere. Farming on the Central Coast since 1948, the Tally family created the Tally Farms Box to make healthy eating easy and affordable. Here's how it works. Select which size box you want, then choose pickup or home delivery and how often you want to get your box. It's flexible for customization and vacation holds, and included in all boxes are tested recipes and storage recommendations. Come be a part of Tally's healthy lifestyle. Visit tallyfarmsbox.com and use promo code CONSUMED for $10 off your first box. That's promo code CONSUMED for $10 off. Eat fresh, eat local, and eat lots of California fruits and veggies for better health. If you live in San Luis Obispo County or you love San Luis Obispo County, Slow Life magazine is for you. This publication connects its 100,000 readers per issue with the culture, people, and happenings in our area. I write the food column for the magazine, and most recently, I covered Cane Tiki Room in Paso Robles. It's this super fun, adorable spot with pineapple lights outside and tiki gods everywhere and legit cocktails with all the plastic monkeys, umbrellas, and bendy straws. I'd tell you all about the food they serve, too, but you got to wait to read it in the magazine. Find Slow Life in your mailbox every other month if you're a local, or visit slowlifemagazine.com to get a subscription. If you've been listening to the Consume podcast for any length of time, you know I've been supported by Rancho de Anaveros Wines almost since the beginning. Recently, Vintner James Onoveros partnered with Santa Barbara County wine expert Wes Hagen to offer tastings at the historic ranch in the Santa Maria Valley. On the Rancho de Onoveros website, I love it. It says, this is not your average wine tasting. Please allow two to three hours for the full experience and bring your boots. I've been to the ranch house and in the Rancho Onoveros Vineyard, and let me tell you, it's just one of the most heartfelt, down-to-earth, yet sublime experiences. The place is laden with history, and it doesn't hurt that the native nine Pinot Noir is a supernova. It's so good, in fact, that Wine and Spirits magazine named it one of the top 100 wineries of 2021. If you'd like a private tasting at the ranch house with Wes, you owe it to yourself to make a reservation by emailing Wes Hagen at wes at ranchosdeonteveros.com. Okay, on to the episode. Catherine Knowlton is a personal chef and food stylist who recently launched Happy Chance, a low-dose fruit bite made with whole foods, natural sugars, and clean cannabis. Based in Santa Barbara, Catherine has spent years developing what she calls a healthy alternative to the modern-day gummy. We talked a lot about what she meant by that because I had no idea how crazy the ingredient list was on conventional cannabis gummies. 
We also talked a lot about her career as a food stylist and how that led to her working in the field of cannabis. Catherine brought along non-medicated versions of her fruit bites for me to taste, which I did during the interview, so pardon the chewing noises coming from me. They are so good, though. You can tell they're made by a pro. To find Happy Chance Edibles, visit the pharmacy, spelled with an F, in Santa Barbara, or Sespe Creek Collective in Ojai. I'll put info in the show notes, too. Okay, here's my discussion with Catherine Knowlton. Where are you from originally? Originally from Charleston, South Carolina. So, what? Yeah, I hail from the South. Um, Charleston is a huge food city. Oh, yes. Like massively. Yes. Yeah, it's really come on the map, really, as far as food's concerned in the last like decade. Yes. Uh, even more so than that. But, um, yeah, I feel like every time I go home to visit my parents, there's a new hot restaurant, a new hot bar to go to. Yeah. Uh, it's never ending, but it's it's awesome because, I mean, I feel like I go back home and it's, you know, people really think of California as this food mecca, but mm. Charleston is, I mean, it's one of the best food state cities in the country. Yeah, and the only reason I know actually is from, I still get um, Bon Appetit, the, mm-hmm. the uh, published version, yeah. and... They are talking about Charleston all the time. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, there's like always it's a, a rest- capital. Yeah, of oh, the, totally. Of the there's South. always one of those restaurants in the top fifty. Yep. you know, one of the new ones, and so it's it's pretty incredible. Did you grow up in the city? I did. Yeah, so we grew up downtown Charleston until probably we were about eight years old, and then mm-hmm. we moved to Mount Pleasant. And at that point, I'm a twin, and so my twin and I were sharing a bedroom, and so I think at that point, my parents were like, "Let's move so we can all have a little bit more space." Yeah. And so we moved over the bridge to Mount Pleasant, mm-hmm. um, which I love. Mount Pleasant. It's such a special. I have never been spot. I talk about these places like yeah. I've been there. I haven't. <laughs> I would really love to go to. Yeah, Charleston. you you would love it. I mean, I've yeah. just met you, but you would love it. Yeah, but it's a super. It's a very charming like city. Beautiful, yeah, yes. Very charming, lots of history. It actually really reminds me in a weird way of Santa Barbara. Yeah. Um, obviously, Santa, very different. Santa Barbara's got mountains, Charleston doesn't. But mm. on the water, just a lot of charm, a lot of history. Yeah. Um, Buzzing things going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Well, I would love to go there. So Mount Pleasant is just across the bridge. Yes, just across the Cooper River Bridge. Okay. Um, and yeah, Mount Pleasant, I feel like, is also, you know, food restaurants popping up there, yep. too. Um, but yeah, so my parents are still in Mount Pleasant. Um, they've now downsized and live in a little town home. So, but it's still, it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun to still be able to go visit. Where is your twin right now? My twin actually is in Ecuador. Um, yeah, yeah. So she is a social worker and, uh, she and her partner Colin moved to Ecuador in August and joined the Peace Corps. Mm, Oh, I know. So they are, um, yeah, they were living in San Francisco or San Mateo. That's where, um, Colin's family lives and Mm -hmm. they lived with Colin. Collins family throughout the pandemic and so they were looking to do something just a little bit different Colin is fluent in Spanish and okay. so they um traveled for a little bit this is pre-pandemic and then had to come back to the United States mm. and both realized like they really wanted to go do something abroad and good so, for them yeah so they're in Ecuador I still um, want to do that too. I know it's yeah it's truly incredible um yeah. Yeah, Alice and I are very different, but it's, uh, yeah, because I, I feel like I, I don't know if I could do that, but she's... Well, you packed up and came up. I mean, yeah. <laughs> clearly you, you have some sense of adventure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, I, my hard days are, used to be with food styling where I was, you know, a turkey leg didn't show up on a turkey and that was stressful for me. And then, you know, we would compare days and she was, you know, dealing with people who 
were evicted or yeah. suicidal. And so it's just like very, very That different. puts things in yeah. perspective. Exactly. When did a turkey show up without a turkey leg? <laughs> so for, for food, <laughs> was the yeah. turkey, was the turkey a mutant? I mean, could you really blame it? No. Why? Yeah. So when I used to do a lot of food styling assisting work for William Sonoma, mm. we, they shoot Thanksgiving in July. Yeah. And so, um, we had to order and source these turkeys in not in season and so we had ordered two and one of them showed up without a a wing Uh, (laughs) and then you have to wonder like yeah it's just like what happened yeah exactly um so yeah it was just sort of this thing and or sorry the wing was detached so we actually had to super glue it on um (laughs) which is that's like the whole issue of food styling that I hate because it's just that's it's waste you know but essentially we had to throw that entire turkey away afterwards so pretty heartbreaking that's that I had never actually thought of food styling in terms of waste. Oh yeah, because the stuff I, I I'm not trying to put words in your mouth or yeah. like define an industry, but from what I understand, a lot of it is inedible because of what's been done to it. Right? Yes, definitely. I mean, I I feel like I was fortunate with the mentors that I got to work with because they all took a lot of pride and the ingredients that they source and everything was very real. So mm. it was just, you know, and we would eat it. We would sit down and eat it. After okay. The that shoot. makes me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there was definitely, um, other stylists that I would work with in the very, very early days that I ended up on not even deciding to work with them again, but mm. it was a lot of hot glue, a lot of yeah. soap, um, to make bubbles and coffee, which it's just, Ew. yeah, there's just, it's not a, that wasn't natural to me. Yeah. Um, and so I really found that I stopped working with people, that were doing that. And then mm. the people that I did work with, it was just like, there's a way to make coffee, you know, bubbles and coffee that's yes. very natural. And and you just have to act quickly, right? Yeah, exactly. You don't have to manipulate it in a yeah. way that's going to be fake or... Tell um, me other gross ones. Yeah. Um, other tricks. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a food stylist once that I worked with. He put... Um, mashed potatoes inside of a pie um, and then put berries on top of that so the pie to kind hold of it up. held the shape yeah. Um, whereas yeah other stylists it was like let's just use the real berries let's and just make a yeah, pie yeah exactly mm, mashed um, potato pie mm. yeah totally um, but that was that's I mean I've definitely heard of mashed potatoes and ice cream um, yeah. and things like that but if, yeah I would say for the most part it was uh Majority of the people I worked with, it was all very real. Yes. Um, well, and mashed good. potatoes aren't not real. Yeah, totally. They just yeah. don't belong in a berry pie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> At least you didn't say something like, I don't know, like they took the stuffing out of a pillow or totally. something. Totally. <laughs> Although maybe that would work. Yeah, I don't know. totally. Well, I had heard at one time, I think it's probably an urban legend, uh-huh. but that the milk in cereal on cereal boxes is Elmer's glue. Yeah, and actually, there there was a moment I never saw glue, but gelatin. So okay. they would set the milk with gelatin, and mm. then actually be placing cereal kind of on top of it, so yeah. it looked perfect. Um, and those are the kind of shoots that I didn't love, like a lot Big of commercial. Yeah, exactly. Um, where it's just you know everything is done with tweezers. You're having yes. to sort of rotate things. 30 degrees, a little bit more, um, which it's, yeah, it's, it sort of takes away from the beauty of it being natural. It's it's no longer natural. You're, you know, you're manipulating it to a point where it's just, you know, and you're taking the fun out of it too. That sounds actually a lot like if we compare it to people in photographs, Uh just, you know, when you're manipulating, manipulating, filtering, um, 
Yeah, it it reminds me of these girls taking selfies, and there and yeah. there I've seen men do it too. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I rem- we were traveling somewhere in Italy, and uh, we were in um, Positano, uh-huh. and a couple girls were out in the water, and they weren't even present with the water right. and the beautiful place, and they were t- taking selfies and changing the angle and over and over, and it was just. It was so stylized. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm talking about this right now, yeah. but it's just, but the stylized. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. It's all of a sudden, you're, yeah, it, it's also taking away from the fact that they're not even being present yeah. either. And I think that's, it's, there's a lot of parallels for yeah. sure with the food world. Well, why did you end up doing food styling? Did the chefing come first or did it come after food styling? Yeah. So kind of, well, I've always loved cooking. I mean, I definitely grew up, um, my mom's dad, uh, who we called Big Dad, was mm. a big chef. I mean, he wasn't uh, a restaurant chef by any means, but loved cooking. And so cooking was always a part of my life from a very early age. Mm. Um, my dad was also a, a great cook. Um, my mom, too. And same with my grandmother. Um, so just being around food was something that I'd always loved. And I remember when I was in high school, that was right around the time that Food Network was very yes. big. Um, yes. So I would watch people like Giada um, and, you know, everyday with Italian. With her crazy teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just was like, I want to do that. I want to yeah. be able to teach people how to cook. And, you know, I, so I would literally watch one of her shows mm-hmm. and then I would go into our kitchen and scrounge up sort of the ingredients and see if I could recreate that. And yeah. so it's always the sort of the pipe dream to go to cooking school. And I, so I went to cooking school in 2015 in San Francisco. So you moved across the country to go there. So, well, yeah, I guess I, I started off, um, so born and raised in Charleston, went to University of South Carolina. Oh, okay. And um, in between my summers of college, I actually spent them in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and fell in love with the restaurant world. And I immediately, upon graduating, I, um, I had minored actually in hotel restaurant management. Mm-hmm. And so I took a job as a general manager at a restaurant in Jackson called Cafe Genevieve. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, got a, very much immersed into that whole world. And I was there for about two years. And then I worked at another restaurant in Jackson Hole called Snake River Grill, mm-hmm. which more fine dining. And so... Um, Still GM? Or, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Assistant GM. Okay. Um, but loved it. I mean, it was something I, you know, lived and breathed it for a long time and... Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, it's, it's very much a lifestyle. You know, you're working crazy hours. And it sounds, so you're kind of front of house or managing yep. front and yep. back. Yep. So how'd you wind up in the back? Yeah. So I, after I left Jackson, I had gone on a road trip to California and I just, it was like, I have to move Vibed. to this yeah. place. Yeah. Um, and I, so I moved to San Francisco and then I actually, upon moving to San Francisco, I decided to take a total 180 and I joined a private equity firm and human resources. What? Oh my gosh, that is not what I expected. What made you decide to do that? Yeah, I think I had originally taken a job, um, accepted an assistant GM job with the Quince Catonia group. Mm -hmm. And I, um, they were kind of going over all of the, uh, uniform requirements, mm-hmm. sort of, it was just like, and I was coming from Jackson Hole, a place where it was just Wild, like, we can, yeah, we can free, be whoever you want, yes. wear whatever you want, all this kind of stuff. And so when I got this, it was, you know, I'd be having to wear a suit every single night. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I don't know, I kind of, it was just this gut feeling of like, I just, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm ready for a break. 
I'm moving to a new city where I don't know really anybody. And most of the my peers that I knew of had these nine to five Monday through Friday jobs. Mm. And so I was like, maybe I should just have some a sense of normalcy. Okay, but you swapped one suit for yeah. another, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um and so yeah, I took this job, private equity firm, and yeah, I was physically there for nine months, but mentally about a week of just like <laughs> You know, and I would, you know, I was the only person that really left um, the office every single day for lunch. You know, we had an hour lunch break and every single day I would walk to the ferry building and I would go to the little market stands and just, I was like, what am I doing with my life? I would call my mom crying. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was my mom who was like, you should just, you love cooking. You should look into Mm -hmm. cooking classes as an outlet to just meet people and just as an outlet in general, because you're so miserable at this job. Real quick, shout out to moms. I know. Debbie, I love her. Oh my gosh. And (laughs) and Pam Johnson, my mom, Uh um, has always encouraged me to write. And uh, it's just moms are the best. Yeah, they know best. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I took her advice and so just doing classes, like yeah, casually kind of like, yeah, I, I started the research process. And yeah. so there was the CIA in St. Helena. Mm-hmm. There was, um, the cooking school at the city college. Mm-hmm. And then I stumbled upon San Francisco cooking school, which is where I went. And, um, they definitely, they had recreationally classes, but then I did a little bit more digging and saw that they had a full-time program as well as a part-time program and so I reached out talked to the founder Jody and I mean she sold me the minute I started talking to her Mm. she was just you know it was a very it's a very hands-on program it's pretty small very small yeah Yeah, we had about I had about 13 students 13 of us in one that sounds so great to me I don't like these places that like churn people out at least I mean for me yeah I would love to have that kind of access yeah it was the most it was the greatest thing I ever did I mean it was so special so I ended up on I I was like, I'm going to go to the full-time program. I'm sold. So I quit my private equity job and um, enrolled in the January, or sorry, May 2015 program. Mm -hmm. Um, Full-time, six months in the kitchen classroom. Very hands-on. I mean, we were... um, going up to Point Race, foraging for kelp, bringing it back oh. into the classroom and making kelp noodles. Beautiful. Um, so yeah, just very much. And it, it definitely taught me a lot about the importance of sourcing mm-hmm. and supporting local and tying a sense of place to mm-hmm. your ingredients. Um, yeah, it was it was truly the best experience. Met, you know, I've life lifelong friends out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the sourcing local thing is I know that that's important to you. I was mm-hmm. looking on your Instagram and anytime you uh, make anything, you make a point of shouting out, yeah. name checking. Yeah, I think it's important. Use. Yeah, um, definitely to because it's just you know it wouldn't be certain ingredients wouldn't be what they are without mm-hmm. you know the farmers or people behind that. Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, so it, we, you know, six months and then after that program, you have to do a mandatory three month externship, mm-hmm. uh, 250 hours. And so I did my externship at Liho Liho Yacht Club, I which don't is, know that. Where is that? it's in the tenderloin of San Francisco. Okay. Um, they closed down a little bit throughout the pandemic, yeah. um, but they've now reopened and I believe rebranded to now it's called the Good Good Culture Club. Okay. Um, and I so, love that. I was picturing yeah. you saying a yacht club like it's in Bolinas yeah. or something like that. Nope. How no. cute. Yeah. So it's the um, the owners of Nopa helped open yeah. 
this restaurant and chef Ravi uh, is from Hawaii. So it's a lot of Asian Hawaiian influence with a California flair. I mean, everything was sourced from the farmer's market. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew at that point also, I didn't want to be back in restaurants. I mean, my hours at my externship were 11 a.m. to 1 a.m. every or six days a week and not getting paid. So it's like, you know, that was a lot. They were, everyone was very generous with their time. I mean, Mm. I loved, it was a really special experience. Um, But some people get high on that though. Oh yeah. So that wasn't working for you. Yeah. And I knew kind of going into it, I just didn't want to be, I knew I wasn't going to cooking school to be a line cook. I just, I knew there was more that I wanted to be doing. Um, and so, and I was very upfront about that. But you were learning. Yeah, absolutely. You could do the externship and be done. And Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I learned a lot about, you know, just being organized and cleanliness. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a very clean person by, um, just, uh, that's how I've always been. Mm-hmm. But especially in these tiny San Francisco kitchens where you have very limited space, mm-hmm. you have to keep a very, you know, tight, uh, tight quarters it's around you. a whole you. new level. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so... They were very understanding. And so right after I finished my externship, I one of my very dear friends, Jen, introduced me to the art director at Williams-Sonoma, Kathleen Korb. Lucky, lucky yes, chance. Yes, yeah, That's absolutely. Awesome. Um, and so Kathleen um, took a chance on me, and she sent an email on my behalf to a lot of the food stylists that they work with um, throughout the year, which a lot of them come from New York or Mm -hmm. Australia and, um, said, you know, this is Catherine and she just graduated cooking school. And if you are ever looking for an assistant, you know, I think you all should give her a chance. And so literally two minutes after that email comes out, Simon Andrews, who's a very talented food stylist out Mm -hmm. of New York, reaches out. He's got a, a shoot in like two weeks in San Francisco for two weeks. And he's like, come be a part of it. Wow. I'll take a chance. He hadn't seen any examples. Nothing. Of, oh my yeah. gosh. Thank you, Simon. How <laughs> wonderful know. is that? Yeah. So I, yeah, I immediately, my first gig was with William Sonoma. We were doing a sort of a Thai influence shoot. Mm-hmm. So a lot of beautiful Thai ingredients. Simon and I, we went to the farmer's market together, all of these different Asian markets and then the next week, we actually flew to L.A. and we were shooting in Topanga, this beautiful mm. home. So I was just like, what is my life right now? What <laughs> is my life? So a lot of like catalog stuff and mm-hmm. online stuff. Yeah, exactly. And- yeah. And most of that work was with their catalog. Yeah. Um, Which is always, Williams-Sonoma catalog is so special in that yeah. it looks like a food magazine. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. It is so beautiful. That mm-hmm. rich um, patina on the shots is so pretty. Yeah. They do such a beautiful job. Yeah, they so- do. Yeah, so it's, you know, food styling, it's very creative. I mean, it's a very mm-hmm. um, inspiring to be around so many creative minds in one yeah. room with all these talented photographers and, you know, prop stylists. I didn't even know a prop stylist was a, a thing, yeah. um, let alone a food stylist. Um, and so it was this world that it was, it was very fun to be a part of, but, mm-hmm. you know, in the same breath, for about two years, I was an assistant, and assistant is yeah. not always glorified. You know, it's not always beautiful work. Did you're, you get coffee sometimes? Yeah, you're people? getting coffee. Yeah. There was a stylist that one time asked me to pick up their dry cleaning. Um, doing, for instance, yeah, um, pick up picking up random things like a, she needed a new swell water bottle, and so I had to go <laughs> all over town to get this rose gold swell water bottle. I know the exact one you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and yeah, so it's, you know, 
most of the stylists I ever worked with always made me feel like a part of the team. Um, and we're always very grateful and, but there's definitely moments where it's, you're washing a lot of the dishes, you're doing a lot of just the prep work and, um, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not all that fun. I've only been to a couple big shoots before Uh and they were big commercial shoots. Uh Um, not Williams. No, I mean, I know that that is corporate, but Mm -hmm. these were the tweezers and the, you know, Mm -hmm. so, uh, it was for a product and it's crazy when you show up. So the, the one that I went to was at a photographer's studio, Okay, but she was a food photographer. So she's got a bank of ovens. Uh There's a whole kitchen with people buzzing, you know, and the smells, there's so many competing smells because there's dessert. There's, (laughs) you know, it kind of feels like Thanksgiving a little bit. Um, but it was so much fun, so mm-hmm. much fun to see everybody. It's kind of like um, putting on an event. It's very mm-hmm. much like yeah. putting on an oh, event. Oh, absolutely. Because certain things have to be timed just mm-hmm. right. You have to have so-and-so involved at this point, and this person has to get out of there, and washing dishes is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed watching it. I don't, I don't know that I would love to be... Um, I don't have the gift for food styling or prop styling. That uh-huh. was another thing I didn't realize existed. Yeah. And that there are good prop stylists and bad yeah. ones. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you're like, why? How could there be, you know, what? It's a napkin. It's a spoon. Right. It's not just a yeah. napkin and a spoon. Oh, my there's goodness. an X factor. Yeah. And there's, yeah, there's a lot. It's, I'm, I admire the people that yep. can really take a, you know, a color palette for a plate or a napkin yes. and pair it perfectly with a dish and sourcing it as its own thing altogether. It's a talent. Yeah. Okay. Well, so the reason we got together to talk though, is you have this company, a new, very new company called happy chance Uh that is, um, well, why don't you describe what you make? Yeah. So it's a healthy alternative to the modern day gummy. So Mm -hmm. it's a blend of, it's a fruit bite. So it's a blend of dates, pumpkin seeds, organic and upcycled fruits and vegetables that Hmm. make, what is the fruit bite? And so it's a hybrid between a fruit snack and a granola bar. Someone actually told me the other day, it reminded them of a healthy fruit by the foot. Yes. Um, yes. I've also heard that it's that people reminds people of a, um, the inside of a fig Newton. So it's kind of fun to start hearing people describe it after they eat it. Um, but it's, yeah, I've also heard, you know, a Lara bar or Mm -hmm. kind of an RX bar. Um, So, so you brought some for me. And I did. I'm yes. Try some. And yes, yeah. I can already see. Oh, yeah. So, so it's like this little patty kind of. Yeah. And it's and it's scored <laughs> uh-huh. into four. So the one that I'm taking is not medicated. Yes, exactly. Um, and if that were medicated, that whole square would be ten milligrams. Oh, so scored. not heavy, heavy. Yeah, and score. So each little bite is yes. two and a half. Okay. So it's a perfect little low microdose because yeah. that was something that was very important to me when I started Happy Chance was I wanted it to be very approachable for anybody, hmm. if whether you're a heavy user and your tolerance is very high to somebody who's very new in the space, trying to navigate the entire world of cannabis. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be something that people could, you know, start with this. You start low, you go slow. Cause that could be super scary for somebody yeah. who's like, I don't know what 10 milligrams is. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's an important message to get out then, yeah. um, is that, you know, this little thing, I don't know, what is it like? three quarters of an inch square. Mm -hmm. And then on that square are four little squares. Um, Yeah. So making sure that people understand 
you know, you can start super slow. Mm -hmm. So this is non-medicated, which you explained is so that you can do samples and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, and I've, I've definitely learned over the last year is that, you know, going to certain types of events, a lot of people associate edibles with either a gummy or Mm -hmm. chocolate. Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is not a gummy. It's not Mm -hmm. gelatin based. It's, it's truly, it's fruit fruit leather. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's very similar to that. Um, and so it's, it definitely, the samples help people understand that it's something very different and unique. Mm -hmm. And it also helps people, you know, at a lot of these demos get over the line. They're like, okay, I want to go now and buy the medicated version inside the pharmacy or inside Sespe Creek or, um, which is the two places that you're retailed retail. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. For now and trying to grow. Yes. So, um, The one that I just had is Mm non-medicated, but I've heard, uh, I had a guest on last season who does a lot of CBD stuff, Mm -hmm. and she said it was important to her to kind of not fight the flavor Mm -hmm. of cannabis, Mm -hmm. but to kind of almost, um, well, just to work with it. So she Mm -hmm. works with kind of the grassier notes. Yeah. So for a medicated Mm -hmm. one, what do you, how do you approach that? Yeah. So for a really long time, I tricky. Yeah. I really wanted to try to mask the flavor as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the more time that's gone on, the more time I've actually really gotten to know cannabis and the plant itself to me, cannabis is another ingredient. Mm -hmm. And so we shouldn't be trying to mask it. It's something that in a way should be sort of celebrated and shouldn't be something that we're trying to hide yeah. um, or pretending like it's something that it's not. Um, so obviously if you're mm. eating the medicated, you are going to get sort of that rosin plant yeah. taste, um, which it's, it is off putting for some people, but it's, I think it's an acquired taste yeah. probably. Yeah. Just absolutely. like, I mean, think of all the crazy things we eat, drink. Yeah. You oh, know. absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the medicated version, you will get sort of that okay. kind of cannabis flavor. Okay. And the one that you gave me, so strawberry turmeric's what mm-hmm. I just had and the turmeric's super, it's there, but yeah. it's not overpowering. Yeah. And all. I didn't, yeah, that was sort of by intent. I didn't yep. want it to be this, you know, cause turmeric's an off putting flavor for a lot of Can people. Can be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I personally love it, but, yeah. um, same. So how did Tell me about the moment that you had this thought, I'm going to do, I'm going to do medicated fruit bites. Yeah. So it was back in 2018. I was living in San Francisco still at the time. And this is right around the time that cannabis became legal in California Mm -hmm. recreationally. And I've been a longtime cannabis consumer. And I noticed right away on the shelves that everything was pretty much laden with sugar, ingredients that you can't pronounce. It was sort of this thing of like, why is titanium dioxide in this edible that I want to eat to help me sleep? It's a a filler that's used a lot of times for color, um, but it's actually been deemed in the EU as a very non-safe, non-toxic or toxic ingredient. Um, So it's an additive though that's used a lot in different types of foods. And Mm -hmm. so it was just sort of this thing where... I think that, you know, a lot of what I learned in cooking school was being, you know, more um, in tune with what's on an ingredient panel yeah. of like, why is sugar the second ingredient or always, always. Yeah. Um, so just kind of, yeah, I was just sort of blown away of like, you know, cannabis is an anti-inflammatory ingredient mm-hmm. and here we are adding all of this inflammatory stuff to mm-hmm. our medicine. You know, a lot of people use cannabis as medicine and so 
all of a sudden it's this, you know, we're using high fructose corn syrup or tapioca syrup Mm -hmm. or cane sugar. And it's sort of, to me, very counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, man, there's got to be a different way to consume something. Um, So I really had no idea what I was doing. I ended up on buying a dehydrator and a food processor Mm -hmm. and just started, I knew, I knew what I wanted to create was something that was going to use natural sugars. So dates was a very, I love Mujul dates. So uh, it was something very much that I was like, okay, I'm going to start with dates and sort of, and at that point I'd, I had already actually, um, I was already making kind of these vegan jerkies Mm -hmm. just kind of for fun. Um, and actually dates were in them. Hmm. And so I was like, Oh, I wonder if I use sort of the same formula and make it sweet. And so, um, yeah, I was, you know, different variations throughout, um, uh, the past few years, it was 126 variations later that I landed on what's now wow. the fruit bite. Um, yeah. you know, first I was actually baking the product and then mm-hmm. I learned through the manufacturing process that that was going to add exorbitant costs to the because process. Because of the, the gas and yeah, just to bake anything is yeah. just going to be more expensive. And so I was like, Oh, I've got to find a way to make this a raw product. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what, you know, it was just continuously. And that's where you got the dehydrator. Yes. Or, okay. or yeah, well I was using a dehydrator, but that also um that would have also been a lot of a lot more expensive using mm-hmm. a dehydrator. So I actually stopped using the dehydrator mm-hmm. and at that point I was really only using my food processor. Um wow. and I also knew I didn't want to use anything from concentrate, like mm-hmm. juices from concentrate. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people um there's a lot of misconception about juices from concentrate because essentially what it is is just sugar syrup. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then you're also, when you're basically, you take strawberries, for instance, you're making a strawberry juice from concentrate. You're mm-hmm. having to boil down these strawberries until there's literally nothing left but the sugar that's yeah. inside of the fruit. Um, All the fiber is gone. Yeah, the nutrition's yeah. gone. And mm-hmm. a lot of times you're actually boiling out a lot of the flavor. So you're mm-hmm. having to then add back in natural flavors so it tastes like that strawberry. That's so weird. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I really don't want to use any of that. I want to use the whole strawberry. And so I started um, I started just researching um, different types of companies. And so I actually came across through the Upcycled Food Association, because I'm just a big believer. Yeah, I want to hear about that. um, Fighting food waste. Um, I found this company called Outcast Foods, and they actually take uh, imperfect fruits and vegetables and save them and put them back into the food supply chain. So they're Is that actually, a local company or, or yeah, they have, um, they have headquarters in LA and actually okay. Nova Scotia. So they're working with mm. farms all across the United States. Yeah. One of the founders is from Nova Scotia. Okay. So, um, but yeah, all farms all across the United States and but yeah, taking strawberries or blueberries, um, and actually, taking them and freeze drying them. So it encapsulates yeah. all of the flavor, all of the nutrition. And then we're using that as a dried intermediary powder in our fruit bites. I love it. And that's probably, I mean, not just upcycling good, but good for the flavor, mm-hmm. good for the final product. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we're ha- not having to use anything from concentrate, no additives, no natural flavors, no preservatives. Yeah. Um, and so 
um, yeah, so that's been, you know, that was a huge part of the journey too, is just the sourcing and trying to, you know, I really wanted to, I didn't want to just be ordering stuff from nuts.com. I wanted to be. I just uh, saw an ad for nuts.com <laughs> and I was like, how did they get that yeah, URL? It yeah. must have been ages ago, nuts.com. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I wanted to be very intentional about mm-hmm. everything. So, you know, all of our dates are from Coachella Valley. Yay. Our pumpkin seeds are actually from the United States. A lot of mm. pumpkin seeds that um, are produced or from China. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that was very important. All of our ingredients are organic. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately in cannabis, we can't use the word organic on labeling. It's a, it's a law. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I mean, I think as we continuously, uh, legalize and yeah. hopefully at the federal level, I think that that will change because that's yeah. going to be a massive differentiator between a lot of products mm-hmm. because if, you know, a lot of people care about organic. So, yep. um, but yeah, we do use 100% all organic ingredients, okay. um, which was something that was very important to me as well. Yeah. The the as we were talking before we started mm-hmm. rolling, um, uh, recreational. I keep saying that not recreational, but um, refined sugar yeah. is something that I have long. I've annoyed people so much talking about uh-huh. that. Um, number one, my children, um, because. I, there was a study done, Mm -hmm. I've said this so many times on this podcast, but there was this excellent study that was done where rats were given the choice between sugar and cocaine, and they came back to the sugar more often than they came back to the cocaine. And that tells me something that we, you know, we regulate the heck out of cocaine, and obviously there are other effects to that Mm -hmm. drug, but um, we really don't regulate sugar at all. And it's like a fast track. That and salt are Mm -hmm. a fast track to flavor, and it's, but sugar to me is really cheating. It's really cheating. Um, and the people who lose are are the ones who lose are the ones who ingest it. So, um, I'm not militant about it anymore. I was there for a number Mm -hmm. of years, but I really appreciate the fact that somebody is thinking in this direction. Yeah. No refined sugars. And that's happening more and more often. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I'm the same. I mean, I definitely, I, I actually find that if I eat a cake with refined sugar and then I, cake with non-refined sugar, natural sugars, mm-hmm. the refined sugar actually makes me bloated and yeah. makes me feel not well. Yeah. Um, I get really, I feel like I need to eat another cake. Yeah, exactly. In fact, you were talking about my cookbook shelf, uh-huh. um, Baking with Less Sugar by Joanne Chang is one of my oh, favorite, uh-huh. my favorite. She has chapters in there that are um, no sugar, I mean, no added sugar yeah. at all. And her pumpkin pie is my absolute Ooh, favorite. Yum. It's so good. But yeah, I think that the more people like you and the more people like her that make it kind of normalize mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and access to ingredients that can sub in like mm-hmm. dates, absolutely. like, um, you know, the dehydrated, um, strawberries for mm-hmm. flavor, all of that. I think it's, I think it's, uh, really great for everybody. Yeah, no, thank you. And I think it's, um, you know, I think it's, it's definitely, we have a, a long journey ahead as far as just education. Yeah. Um, cause a lot of people, you know, even buyers included and in buyers in the, the retail landscape, they mm-hmm. don't, they are not even looking at ingredient labels. So there's just a lot of, and it, uh, that's not the first thing that a lot of people do, you know, yeah. I'm somebody, yes, that I definitely, the second I see a new product, I flip over on the back to see what's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people don't know to do that or don't even think to do that, which that's okay. But I think it is just starting a new conversation around yeah. sort of what better for you means. And, right. 
um, yeah, and just being kind of a little bit overall a little healthier with it. This, okay, so the blueberry cinnamon is so tasty, girl. Oh, thank you. A hundred and how many iterations later? Did 126. You? Yeah, nicely yeah. done. <laughs> nicely done. What was the FDA process like? Yeah, so because cannabis is federally illegal, mm-hmm. the FDA is not involved. Oh, okay. So um, yeah. how did you, so what hoops do you have to go through? Yeah, so it's it's very, um, it's been a very crazy process, mainly because, you know, over, since 2018, you know, I've been, I've, I had interviewed nine different manufacturers, um, gone down the road pretty heavily with two of them, but realized it just, we, there was falling outs for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until um, I met Kaylin Baird, who lives in Santa Barbara, and Diana Langley, his partner, they have a manufacturing facility right in Goleta, mm-hmm. and they were sharing space with my partner's brother, Tucker. Mm. And so uh, Tucker has a superfood company, and so he had space in the back, and then Kaylin and Diana took over and got their manufacturing license through the state for cannabis. Mm. And I, so when I met them, they were the ones kind of holding my hands through the process of, you know, making sure we get a food stability test taken. So we know that it's got a healthy, strong shelf life, which does over, you know, it's 18 months. Oh, that's um, excellent. Which is great. And Mm -hmm. it's actually kind of strange in cannabis. Um, After a year, all cannabis products actually have to be destroyed. Um, which is another crazy because it becomes toxic or I don't know really why that's a rule because it's you know cannabis is still totally fine it's just it's cannabis is just it's highly regulated compared to um any other industry it's really wild um but at this in the same breath I actually have a lot of respect for the cannabis industry because Mm -hmm. My fruit bites, for instance, it all, everything has to go through what's called category three testing. Mm-hmm. And so that's t- getting tested for pesticides, heavy mes- metals, mycotoxins. So every, all of my dry ingredients, all of the raw inactive ingredients all have to go through very stringent testing. That's great. Um, which is great. And yeah. it, it, not even the FDA does that. So mm. it's, you know, we're not testing for heavy metals inside of our, our food inside of that are, you know, on the shelves at Whole Foods. Yeah. Um, whereas in cannabis, you actually can feel very confident knowing that your any type of cannabis product that you're eating has had to pass in order to be on a shelf. So no heavy metals, no mycotoxins, no um, pesticides, Um, which that's also been an eye-opening process because even organic companies that say they're organic come back with loads of pesticides. Um, So that's always awkward. You know, you have to go back to the company and say, hey, I've used this, you know, these, you said that these were organic and confront that. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So yeah, but I would, I definitely credit Kalen, um, in particular, he's been my, my truest confidant and mentor Mm -hmm. throughout this whole process. Um, yeah. So I feel very grateful that, you know, our paths crossed and, um, but yeah, definitely a a wild process in order to get a a cannabis product to market. Um, what has it been like for you personally, you know, you move from, I don't know. There's just so much stigma with cannabis, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Absolutely. you know this a yes. lot. Um, and I still even feel it rising in me like, uh, I don't know, just there's a lot of stigma. Yes, yeah. Uh, and what I'm, I'm wondering, what was it like to go from being 
<laughs> a squeaky clean food stylist <laughs> yeah. to now you, you know, I'm not telling you, you have to identify mm-hmm. this way, but the company does have its messages mm-hmm. in cannabis. So yep. what was it like for you personally to move from being one kind of a thing to another kind of a thing? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely, there's definitely been a lot of challenges. Um, mm-hmm. even, you know, we only just launched here in July. Um, yes. and so I'm trying to right now be a part of any event that will let me be a part of it. Mm-hmm. But the first thing is, is we have to say we're a cannabis company yep. and a lot of events are like, Ooh, I don't know if we're even publications. I've reached out to a few publications yeah. and they're like, we can't write about this because it's cannabis. Well, and, and their funding depends yeah, on it sometimes. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. Mm-hmm. Um, but my hope is through our social media, through, you know, events that will give us a platform is to, help destigmatize this because I think cannabis ultimately it's a plant. It has so many nutritional benefits and properties. Yeah. And, you know, you compare that to alcohol, the alcohol industry is widely unregulated to a certain extent. Yeah. There, we have no idea a lot of the times. It's weirdly regulated. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, it, it's not intuitive in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like we, you know, there's a lot of even wine labels or beer labels, yeah. which we have no idea what the ingredients are. No nutritional. Are I yeah. know. You know, what's interesting about that is my husband, been has celiac mm-hmm. and so he buys he has found one or two brands of beer that he mm-hmm. really likes that are um gluten-free they have to list the nutrition facts because it's it's for whatever reason mm-hmm. it's tracked or channeled as a food mm-hmm. because it says that it's gluten-free right so it's weird to see a beer can with the nutritional facts on the label so wild, yeah. and then it makes you realize oh wait this is weird to me because it's not on any yeah, other alcohol else. product. Yeah, it's wild. It um, is. But yeah, so I think, you know, I I wish that that wasn't the case, but I think in a way it's, it just is what it is. But those yeah. are the hurdles that a lot of, you know, we face in the cannabis world because it's like, you, you, I just actually recently met with Rick Bowler, who's the executive chairman at the Santa Barbara Bowl, mm. about sort of his stance on cannabis and where mm. the future of cannabis may be at the Santa Barbara Bowl. And, you know, they definitely want to open up that conversation, but cool. there's also a lot of regulations with selling alcohol in one place. Mm-hmm. This is also selling cannabis in a place. You um, mean at the same time? Yeah, at the same time. Exactly. Oh, okay. um, but, you know, that's also the whole issue with it. It's just like, why, why are we having so many barriers to, yeah. you know, which, you know, it's, it's also the frustrating part because it's just, there are medical benefits to cannabis Mm -hmm. whereas alcohol really doesn't have there's no nutritional benefits really um to alcohol it's not you know that whole (laughs) what was it the red wine thing and the heart friendly i that has been debunked so many (laughs) times because you could instead you could drink really red tannic grape juice oh yeah right i mean absolutely it's not that the red wine is any kind of medicine right Right. exactly Uh, yeah how how have your if you if i may ask Mm -hmm. how have your parents rolled with this new venture yeah so they you know i definitely come from parents they're from the south Mm -hmm. um and cannabis is you know, and definitely in South Carolina. Here you move off to yeah. California. <laughs> start totally. this cannabis company. Totally. I think it's sort of funny. In the beginning, I feel like my parents didn't really get it. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't really understand. Like my dad, when he would describe it to people, he would always say CBD. Yeah. Thinking it was nothing that was like, that I wasn't doing anything that was federally sort of illegal. Yeah. Um, but they've they're they've been very supportive, and I I very I feel very fortunate that I've I come from a family that, 
you know, throughout our entire lives, me, Alden, and Alice, my sisters, mm-hmm. uh, we've always been supported in whatever venture we've gone down. And mm-hmm. so um, pretty much from day one, I mean, my mom was you know, sort of the cheerleader of like me getting this dehydrator and going to cooking school and, you know, same with my, yeah, you told me to cook mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so yeah, they've definitely been very supportive. My mom is an avid fruit bite ingester. Um, my dad, not so much. I think he just doesn't always love the psychoactive effects of cannabis. Oh, and I get it. Yeah. Rightfully so. But, um, when we're all together, I, you know, I, force feed fruit bites to them not force feed i mean they definitely you will, strap them yeah. down and- <laughs> <laughs> they will gladly um eat them but yeah they've been my biggest fans and cheerleaders Good. throughout this entire process that's wonderful yeah um i don't know much about the different strains mm-hmm. of of the psychoactive stuff so yeah. i know that there's indica and sativa yes. you, is there a which one are you using yeah so we're using solventless rosin so actually a lot of cannabis um particularly in gummies, um, use distillate to infuse. So distillates, what's actually a lot of cannabis is, um, goes through an extraction method that involves solvents. So that's meaning the cannabis itself is actually soaked in butane sometimes or ethanol in order to actually Mm. extract, um, the cannabinoids, which I had a really big issue with when I started kind of diving into this. And so when I started talking to Kaylin, I was like, I want to use something very clean and pure. And so we're using solventless rosin. So it's actually a true hybrid of indica and sativa. Um, And for now, I mean, you know, Kaylin has a lot of expertise with different cannabinoids. So we are going to get blending and all that into more strain specific with different effects. Um, But right now we're using rosin. So imagine there's this big 5,000 pound machine Mm -hmm. that presses all of the matter off of the plant and what's left over is the rosin. Okay. So you're actually extracting all, and there's no solvents Almost like an essential oil in a way, In a way, yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, But yeah, so what's left is just all of these nutrients, all of these terpenes and cannabinoids Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, have just all of these amazing benefits. And so that's what we're using. So it's very pure. It's very clean. Mm. We sort of liken it on our fact page on our website to a fresh glass of orange juice versus an uh, orange juice from concentrate. Yes, right. Um, so fresh and pure and clean is always best. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it's a pretty short ingredient list, which is yes. cool. Yeah, absolutely. And that was very important to me. I want, I want people to be able to flip over to the back and read our ingredients and understand them, recognize them. It's, and it's very relatable. I mean, people know what dates are. They know what pumpkin seeds are. They yes. know what strawberries are. I never wanted there to be this question of like, what's, you know, blue dye 56 or yep. tit- why is what's titanium dioxide? Totally. What is this doing in here? Titanium dioxide. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so crazy to see. I mean, I'm sure I eat things all the time that have stuff like that. Yeah. And I just don't even yeah. realize. So yeah. I definitely wanted to avoid anything that was just questionable. Yeah. Well, so you, this is one part of what you do. Yeah. But you also, and you're still food styling. I'm actually still, so I'm a full time private chef in Santa Barbara. Yes. So yeah. I wanted to ask about that. Yeah. In Santa Barbara, I'm sure there are, I mean, we have some highfalutin people here, uh-huh. but nothing like Santa Barbara. Yeah. So you must be very busy. I am. Yeah. I feel very fortunate. I launched, so I actually launched my catering business mm. in the midst of the pandemic, which is a wild time to be launching a business. Were you doing uh, like meal delivery, that kind of thing? Exactly. Okay. Um, so yeah, up until then I was doing all the food styling. And so right, it was March, 2020, where all of my food styling shoots were put on yes. hold or canceled. 
canceled. And so I was like, I've got to figure this out. I've Mm got to do something. And so I, yeah, I took a leap of faith and was like, I'm going to just start, you know, I'd obviously have, I'm cooking all of the time with food styling. And, um, so I, I really just made a lot of early connections with the right people. Yeah. Um, cause you know, restaurants it was sort of questionable people weren't Mm. wanting to go out and pick things up because there was just so much you know we didn't know anything really back in those days um and so yeah I started this meal delivery business for clients and so I was doing that a few days a week and then you know about a year into that that's when sort of restrictions loosened a little bit people were traveling a little bit more coming up to the valley San Inez Mm -hmm. um doing dinner parties so I was doing intimate dinner parties um and then it's really just been organic I mean it's just kind of grown and blossomed into something that I never really imagined um but I love it I mean I truly it gives me such a like lift that Mm -hmm. I get to do what I love all of the time and be a part of people's special occasions you know I just did this past Sunday I did a wedding party for 30 people Mm -hmm. and it was a nice number yes it was very small very intimate but just the planning that goes into it and really helping people you know feel like it's just going to be a super special occasion and mm-hmm. um, being a part of that. It's just something that I really, I love and, yeah. and getting to interact with really amazing people. So I, I definitely feel very fortunate and grateful yeah. that I've landed into this world. Um, it definitely keeps me very busy. I mean, I'm, you know, cooking almost every single day. Um, and are you doing it from a commercial kitchen? I'm actually doing it from my house. Wow. Yeah. So what is that? Like, yeah. do you have a pretty decent sized kitchen? It's well, it's sort of hilarious. I mean, we, so I have, we have a double oven, which is mm, great, okay, um, good. but we have an electric stove. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that. I mean, people, that's... yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with electric, but this stove no. is from the original house, which was built in the 1920s. Wow. I mean, the stove is, you know, up top you're pressing buttons. So there's a, three, two, one, low, warm button. So three. But you have mastered the stove. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's kind of hilarious. I mean, in, in Santa Barbara, we've got the cottage law, so I'm, I'm able to cook everything out of my, my house. Um, but yeah, it definitely gets crazy. I mean, my partner, Nathan has very patient, um, and just, you know, he'll open the fridge sometimes and be like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to eat out tonight. Cause I know that I'm not allowed to touch anything. No, nope. <laughs> yep. can't have any of that. My kids have gotten better about that. They see, they see like a bag of pumpkin seeds and they're like, they look at me, may I eat this? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you may not. No. Yeah. That's um, for something else. Yeah. But it's been fun. I mean, I, and I just partnered with my dear friend, Adam. So we're starting to do larger events. Um, we've done almost six weddings this year, about 150 people. Um, wow. Have you done scale like that before? Not before this year. Yeah. Um, which it's definitely, I mean, that's a whole different beast. Yeah. That's a lot. It's definitely, um, you know, it, we both love it, but it's, you know, a lot. Cause then you have to, we have to get all of the staff. It's just a lot of prep. I'm picturing pressure. 150 <laughs> dishes going cold yeah. all at once. Like it just, it raises my blood pressure. Yeah. It's wild, but, yeah. um, but yeah, I've loved it. I feel super grateful that good. I get to be into this world. So pandemic did bring some good things for some business. Like yeah. it just, it kind of lit a fire under other, Absolutely. under ideas that may never have really. Absolutely. Gone so up. yeah, it's been a, like a true blessing in a way. And, mm. and I think, you know, it definitely ties into happy chance cause it's, I'm a chef that very much values cooking for optimal health and well being. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really avoid a lot of refined sugar, refined oils, you know, trying to, work closely with local farmers is super important organic when possible um local butchers you know ranches and things like that so 
um, it definitely my you know my hope is to be able to start doing kind of these dinners that revolve around all of the things that I love in my mm-hmm. cooking world, but also kind of bringing Happy Chance into the mix too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, how'd you come up with the name? Yeah, so Happy Chance is actually the name of my grandfather, Big Dad, who we talked about in the beginning. His farm in Cashiers, North Carolina. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so Happy Chance Farm. I was actually in a yoga class. That the hard, the name was probably the hardest part of yeah. naming this company. Um, and I was in a yoga class, and I was just like trying to think. I could. I was doing anything but yoga. I mean, I was just yes. trying to like letting think it roll through. Like I've got to name this thing. Yeah. I've got to figure it out. And so I was just laying there on the floor and was like, happy chance. Yeah. Like that was the place that we grew up going that we all loved. It brings so many memories. It invokes pure happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I immediately got out of that class and I emailed my graphic designer, Wells, and and also, as you were pulling onto the Happy Chance property, there used to be a wooden bear hugging a tree. So it was the oh. first thing you saw. As so you that's pulled the onto little the bear. On and here. so yeah, I told Wells this entire story, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, that's the name! You yeah. just did it, Happy Chance!" And then he was like, "And the bear has to be what welcomes you to the brand." And so yep. he did an iteration, and this is what came back. Sterling. Yeah, and so um, that's the name. So it's a yeah, and it, you know, Big Dad was one of my biggest influences in the kitchen. So he really inspired my love of cooking and inspired me to go to cooking school. So it's an yeah. homage to him as well. That's great. Well, yeah. I, gosh, I just wish you the absolute best. Thank you. You're welcome. So um, let me ask you what your, what would be your last meal if you had the option to do yeah. that? Um, I would probably have to say, um, so my dad's name is Bucky and I'm we, loving these yeah, names. He, yes. I know, right. <laughs> um, he is infamous for his Bucky burgers. Yes. Um, so he, it's, it's very simple. It's nothing that crazy, but it's, uh, ground beef obviously. And then he makes a very special marinade mm. and that marinade is just something, it's just a very juicy, mm. amazing burger. And he marinates the burger itself. Yeah. The actual the- patty. So huh. he makes the patties and then marinates them. Um, we all, used to, I mean, my sisters and I would sneak in the kitchen whenever they were hosting dinner parties and we would be, you know, he would have a little separate bowl of the marinade after the burgers got off the yeah. grill, but we would all just be sitting there like putting spoonfuls of this marinade in oh our mouths. What's in it? And it's nothing that, I mean, it's like, it's, I mean, it's truly, it's like kind of funny because at this point in my life, I probably don't even have a lot of these ingredients in yes, my own house. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's yeah. how it is. Um, but it's like, it's this Cavender's Greek seasoning, yep. this teriyaki sauce, mm-hmm. Worcestershire, balsamic, lemon juice. So just like heavy concentrated flavors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is sort of like the antithesis of how I cook now, but it's just, yeah, it's a burger. But it is what it is. Yeah. yeah and you people love it. are, he's infamous for it. People, you know, if he still has a dinner party, it's like, you know, people request, can we get a Bucky burger? Um, so that would probably be my last meal. Well, a Bucky yeah. Burger. What yeah. would you drink with it? Ooh, um, Gosh, you know, it's funny. I would say, you know, ever since I've started my venture with Happy Chance, my drinking has really kind of gone down. Yeah, I I hear that all the time. Don't really drink a lot much anymore. Um, But if I do, I mean, I definitely gravitate more toward I'm a cocktail Mm -hmm. gal. So I I love a good margarita. I love a Negroni. so yeah, probably something, maybe a good Negroni and a Bucky yeah. burger. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. It's one thing that the cannabis stuff is missing. I have to say is the, 
the ritual of holding something and yes. sipping at it, which feels special. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing that I that I think I struggle with a little bit is like it doesn't feel like an indulgence or a treat because you're not holding it and doing it with friends right. necessarily. But, you know, somebody will discover a way to. Yeah, absolutely. And there are, you know, cannabis beverages out there. Yeah. My manufacturer, Kalen, has a little additive that you can add into a mocktail, which is yes. nice. Um, so yeah, and I think that that whole world it's is coming. evolving for sure. Yeah, yeah. So well, Catherine, thank you so much for coming and thank telling me all about me. all this. Such a treat. Yeah, great to meet you. Thanks so much for listening to the Consumed Podcast, which is now in its fifteenth season. Hard to believe. If you have suggestions for guests, questions, or comments about the show, please contact me via my website, letsgetconsumed.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter, buy a little consumed pin, or download live episodes. On Instagram, I'm at consumed.podcast. Consumed is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. Until next time, thank you for listening.